and welcome back to the Fins Nation UK podcast. After a little bit of a break, we are back to talk all things off-season with the Dolphins. Apologies, first of all, for the lack of content recently. I have been in Thailand for three weeks. Uh, I left about a day after the draft ended, so that is the main talking point, uh, as well as the schedule which was released since then. Uh, I'm your host, Andy, of course, and I'm this week joined by a new guest of the podcast. I'm joined by Dolphins fan Sam Moores. How are you? I'm great, mate. It's... um. The last couple months really have been exciting. I mean, yeah, obviously free agency and the draft. We didn't have many draft picks, but I'm quite happy with the the draft picks. And we'll get into them later. But you know, so thank you for having me on, mate. I'm, let's get into it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, great stuff, Alan. You've been on my podcast, my other NFL podcast, many a time. Uh, when it was back back when it was just Euro trips and when it was across the pod. So I already know myself the reason why you're a Dolphins fan. But for the benefit of the audience who haven't heard your podcast before, which is the SJ Moore's podcast. Let us know what made you a Dolphins fan. Uh, it's a bit, bit of a weird one, really. Like I, my, my dad was a Dolphins fan in the sort of like the nineties um, when he was growing up with, with his with his dad, my granddad, um, and then he, he sort of just went away from it. And then I just was on a BBC iPlayer one day and discovered like the NFL show, with, you know, Jason and Osi and all them. Look, yeah, about what, six seven years ago now. Um, and yeah, I just discovered it from there. Um, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to be a Dolphins fan because obviously I remember the dad was telling me that he was before. Uh, and then obviously that was the time when Jay Jai was at the Dolphins as well. And it just, you know, being a British one in back, it just made so much sense. And yeah, you know, I mean, I'm happy I made the choice. Yeah, fair play. And I'm glad you made the choice because you wouldn't be on this podcast otherwise. So um, Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, I had a dad and I did initially think he was a Titan fan when I saw him wearing a Marcus Mario yeah. top, but... Um, but yeah, no, he, um, yeah, he was a big Dolphins fan and it was nice to meet him. Um, right, going into the episode, uh, we are going to review all four of Miami's Dolphins, Miami Dolphins draft picks. And then we're going to quickly go over the schedule that was announced and uh, who, who plays who what week. I'm just going to quick run through that Dolphin schedule and just how we think, how we feel about that going into the season. So the first pick was in round two, pick 51. This was the pick of Cam Smith, the cornerback out of South Carolina. Um now, looking at his stats, um, in four seasons in college, six interceptions, 18 passes defended, 91 total tackles, and one fourth fumble. Now, my initial reaction to this pick, I don't know what you think, Sam, but for this one, very, very similar stats to Noah Igbenogamy. Um, now, I'm not saying this guy is going to be anywhere near as underwhelming as Igbenogamy, especially as he was a first-round pick rather than second round. Um, so he got some of the same number as fourth fumble, same number as... Uh, passes defended and only one less tackle for loss. Um, so in terms of that, when you look at how Igbo's career has gone in terms of not getting a start, you look at how he's coming in now, Cam Smith to a secondary, that's Zabit Jaden uh, Ramsey, as well as having Xavier Howard already there, Kade Kohu came through last year. So is there concern for you there, Sam, the fact that we went with corner so early when you've already just upgraded with one of the best over the last five years in league history? Yeah, I mean... I I'm more positive than you are on the Cam Smith pick. I think um, when you look at Xavier Howard's contract, I think the Dolphins can get out of it next year. Uh, and you know they got the knee issues. Obviously, the Jalen Ramsey trade happened in the off season as well. So if you, I expect they probably want to get out of the Xavier Howard contract. To be honest with you, in a year or so so time. You mentioned Kay Dakoe. You've also got Nick Needham. Uh, but last year, Nick Needham and Byron Jones didn't play at all. So the, the cornerback room was. Completely deflated. You know, there's, you, you boy. It led to undrafted rookie Kedeko starting, um, when you know he wasn't even a, you know, wasn't even an afterthought at the start of the year, um, and I mean, yeah, if 
if he's like an Xavier Howard replacement, then I get it. Um, it, it could be something like that. But they they tried that with Vic Benogany as well, like you're saying, and that's not really worked out, you know, at all, has it? But um, what Chris Greer does in the draft is he goes he goes best player available, you know, every single pick. Which I mean, fair play to him, it builds your team, and the Dolphins are in such a good position now where they can draft ahead of need because the roster's you know so good. It's the same thing with the Eagles. You know, you see the Eagles. You know, they just load up on interior and and um, defensive and offensive linemen because you know it's how they put their roster. And you know, they they did a very short roster time like that and were in the Super Bowl last year because um, they drafted ahead of need. Um, so I get it. Uh, and yeah, I think he looks. You know, a lot of people have said on the pick. You know, he's. Uh, you know, was one of the best players. You know, you know to be in the second round. I saw people mock him in the first round. Um, you know, coming into the draft, um, but yeah, it makes sense to me. But it, I did, it did strike me with a little bit of a surprise. But if you're moving on from Xavier Howard in a year or two, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I do agree with that because I think Xavier Howard, as good as he's been, he wasn't the same player last year. And I know he got a Pro Bowl section, but I don't really. Still, to say, don't we know why he was picked there? Um, I, I don't think he had any near his, his knees as well. They're so unreliable. Like, his, yeah, his, and his, like recently. For a guy who's twice handed in a, a trade request, um, mm. not had the protection last year that we wanted, and of course he he's been there for years and he is you know, getting on an age. So I think that maybe whether it's a year, whether it's two years, learning behind David Howard, um, and also then you've got. I, I don't think Rams will be there long either. I do think he'll only no. be there three or four years at most. So I think if you got him, Smith and Kehakodu, Kehakodu, Kehu, sorry, learning from. Uh, Ramsey and, and uh, Howard, I, I do think that that can work beneficial for the future. And I, but I do think that, you know, I I think, you know, could, could, don't get wrong, Igmanogamy could just be a one-off in terms of being that bad. Smith could come in and be an absolute animal. Um, so, you know, that's what we've got to hope for. But speaking of which, the next guy we picked has a, a lot of hype, this week especially. Um, third round pick, 84th overall, uh, Devin A. Kane, the running back out of Texas A&M. The other Texas running back that's impressed um, in college. Uh, I mean, looking at his stats, 2,376 rushing yards in three college seasons, 21 touchdowns. But also pitched in with 554 yards receiving and five touchdowns receiving. Uh, from watching his tape very, very fast, uh, clocked mm-hmm. out a 4-3-2. Um, and he's, from what we're looking at, what we've heard about this week, um, and I certainly got my information from Alex Buck, who was on the podcast last time, very knowledgeable college uh, college analyst um, in, in Britain. And, you know, he was saying about how much AK has been impressing in, in, in OTAs this week. Um, so you look at that, for me, looking at it, I'll get your thoughts as well, but for me, very risk-free move because he's not a first-on pick. He hasn't got that pressure like a B. John Robinson or Jameer Gibbs has on him now. Um, you know, we've already got running back room with Moster and uh, Jeff Wilson, so we can also we can spread the load. We don't have to be, have him as our main guy. So for me personally, I think it's a great pick. I think running back was something we had to go down, but I don't think it was maybe a first round need or early second round. So um, yeah, what were your thoughts on the pick on that one? And, and do you think he can be as good as people are making out uh, this week? Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately he's another sort of San Francisco style running back where he's you know lightning. Uh, quick, but also quite agile as well, where he can break tackles. Um, and yeah, like I said, he's like you said, he's been impressing at OTAs. Um, obviously he might not start right away because you know you've got Raheem Mostert, Jeff Jeff Wilson in front of him. Um, 
yeah, and there's even talk that Dolphins could bring in another running back, although I don't think that's likely. Um, but I mean, look, I think he will play a role down the stretch. And if he's been as good as he, it sounds like he has been at OTAs, um, you know, this week or the you know, last couple of weeks, uh, it, it, well, it looks like uh, he'll be a big role player. And also, you can never have enough running backs. It's the same with the cornerbacks. Like, I think Chris Greer learned last year that. I think he regretted not picking up a veteran, and you know, after Nick Needham and Byron Jones went down, um, or you know, Byron Jones refused to play. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, you know, I think you can never have, you can never have enough running backs, especially in Mike McDaniel's scheme, and he looks like he's put a perfect fit, you know, in the run game and also in the pass game as well. I mean, he's, he's certainly confident in his ability. He's compared himself to Christian mm. McCaffrey. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I mean, if he's if he's half of what Christian McCaffrey's ability is, I mean, we've got a stud right there. But I think calm down slightly, maybe on his behalf, maybe don't quite compare yourself to a guy before you've even been on the field, because you all know what happened with Josh Rosen and how he talked. Um, but speaking of running backs, actually, as well, um, Dalvin Cook again a lot of hype at the moment. He's been in Miami, I believe, recently. Um, yeah, he's from Florida as well. He's from as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean. People are saying he's washed, but I, I think personally he's still, even if you get him for two years, I think it's a great addition. I mean, he scored two against us, one against us last season at the game I went to in Miami for the Vikings. Yeah. I mean, we, I, 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 I like most of it. I, I like him a lot, actually, and I like uh, Jeff Wilson, uh, give or take. But for me, Dalvin Cook, I, I'm sure you agree with me, Dalvin Cook would be first to be number one choice regardless, but also I think he really would take this running game to the next level. See, what I would have done either way with this pick, with this third round pick, is either got in a veteran back like Dalvin Cook from a trade because, look, Minnesota are shopping him. Like, Tennessee are shopping Derek Henry too, but I think he would cost more than a third round pick. Um, or draft the rookie, and they went for the latter. But they didn't bring anyone in in in, in free agency, which I thought they would do. Uh, you know, they brought back Moster and Jeff Olsen, who obviously both were free agents. Um, so I could see them going for somebody else and I changed the one they've gone for. Um, and he does fit the scheme. So it, it makes sense to me. And Darwin Cook, again, yeah, he's boy, he's got hurt a little bit over the years. Um, you know, the Vikings have had Madison as a sort of 1B running back when he's been um, hurt. But he's he's a great running back. He, he's one of, those, one of those that I think is sort of quite underrated because there's nothing... Um, you know, incredible about his game, but he's just like a dog. He can he can get yards from any, like Nick Chubb, for example. And for me, Nick Chubb is the best running back in the NFL, but he doesn't really get the uh, the, the praise he deserves because he's not big like Derrick Henry or quick like uh, like Raheem Mostert, or you know, and is not the receiver that Christian McCaffrey is. But he's great at all of those things, and that's what makes him the best. And I think Dalvin Cook's one of those guys as well. Yeah, for me, Chubb just speaks, uh, just screams consistency, gets a job done, yeah. and he. I mean, I personally would still rather have Henry or McCaffrey, but I think certainly. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, I I've spoken for my other podcast loads times how I like Derek Henry. If you watch my YouTube channel, you, you'll know that as well. Mm. But um, I I think that just for pure, I think them two especially for me. I think Chubb, you know, is very good, but I think there's more of a what's the word. It's, it's, I don't know, it's fine. I think they're just more sexy in terms of like to watch. I think, mm. you know, I think McCaffrey is, for me, I think still is the best dual threat running back. I think he's someone who can run and catch. I think there's no one better who can do both than him. I think Henry's just an absolute machine. He can just bulldoze anyone. Um, question whether it'd be good for McDaniel's system, but I think just for a pure yeah. running back you'd want to watch in a game, 
or go or see the game. And I think it's half the reason why Tennessee Titans are in London this year. I think there's no one better than Henry. I think as a pure running back, pure running back, I think there's no one better than him. And I think that he is just, for me, a human highlight reel. Um, so I think <laughs> he's great. But one final word on the running back position, Sam, is that if we all knew what happened last year is to a Tango Valoa, McDaniel, a lot of times last year, would almost um, almost ignore the run games. And that's picky third quarter, fourth quarter. He'd sort of just almost go too much pass heavy. So do you think that getting a third guy in like AK, potentially a fourth, you never know, having those three and having them two, them three split the load, do you think with Daniel, if he, if he does do this this year and he goes more with the run game, how good do you think that is for two in terms of not preserving his health and not constantly relying on him to throw the balls? Yeah, I never really understood why we didn't run much more last year because the Dolphins actually were one of the best rushing teams in the league when they did run the ball. And it's it's it always it always like everyone in the media was you know asking the same questions like why aren't we running the ball more? And then uh, after the season, after he sort of reflected on the season, Mark Daniel said, um, "I should have run the ball more as well." And I think. I guess maybe obviously it was his first year ever play calling. That could be a thing as well. He's got, you know, shining weapons and, you know, Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. Um, so, you know, I think he maybe got a little bit too um, focused on that. But the run game, I think next year we will run the ball, yeah, the ball more. And I think, yeah, I think Madonna probably learned after some of the sort of play calling mishaps um, at some points last year that uh, he probably should run the ball more. And, um, yeah, ultimately as well with Tua as well, you, you sort of want to take the ball out of his hands as much as possible because there's the injury risk or there's the, the concussion risk. Because that, that's my only sort of qualm with Tua now either as well because he's shown us what he can do. It's just can you protect him by taking the ball out of his hands and getting him an offensive line? Yeah, I mean, the classic game, uh, I mean, yeah, Tua-wise, I think that we all, we've all seen what he can do. And I do think that if he can stay healthy, I think he's definitely a contender for comeback player of the year. And I think he could even be a dark horse at MVP. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. in terms of that, I think I remember speaking to David Kaprosh, who on my other podcast, who's a Bills fan, who went to that game in week 14, I think it was with all the snow. And that was our biggest takeaway with that. Why did McDaniel stop using the run? And I think, you know, mm-hmm. head coach, he's got a get out of jail free card there with, with that first season. But just ask Cliff Kingsbury, and you'll ask Brandon State in this year potentially as well that in your third year, you don't get the same luxuries to get yeah. to use that as an excuse. So I think he's got to start doing that soon. And I think that for all concerned, I think you can't, I can't think of a single team that's won a Super Bowl that hasn't had a good run game. I mean, it's weird though because none of them have a star running back. The teams that won a Super Bowl recently, they have a good run game, but it's always been a sort of you know, running back by committee approach. Mm. Uh, even, um, when you know going back, you know, year after you know, you've got Leonard Fournette, you've got you know, the Chiefs last year, they don't really have you know, they've got Pacheco, but it, they they had different guys coming in, like you know, Derek McKinnon, etc. Like, I mean, Edwards are there when he played, but not very often, but yeah, and then going back even further, you know, the Rams, they again, Akers, they just they just mix it up a bit, like the Eagles with Legarrett Blunt and Jay Ajayi, like they they were a two horse um attack as well, so it's just like it's weird how you win Super Bowls by running the ball well, but not with a established guy like your Derek Henrys, etc. And that's a sort of interesting trend at the moment. Which I know I noticed the other day actually is it's just like wow, okay, there's no star running backs, but those teams run the ball well in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean Lenny got the nickname Playoff Lenny for a reason. He was 
Mm. Probably is his best part of his career, just for since of a three or four game stretch, he was amazing. Uh, one player to free agent, I want to get your thoughts on that. You know, I think we all know that he's not the same player, but Ezekiel Elliott's still free agent. And I think that even though last year he showed even more signs of decline, he still had a lot of, of certainly fancy points. And I think he got, I'm going to get his numbers up now, but I'm pretty sure he got a good amount of touchdowns last year, albeit all, most of them are from the red zone. Um, but I think, do you think if he, if, if he can get him on like a really cheap deal, do you think even just for one year he could be a good um, guy just to have in that red zone? Because that's, I mean, that was a lot of issues last year, or really since we've had two, it is conversion in the red zone at times. And I think that if, I think personally getting him in as your second or third choice running back, I think for me on a short one or two year cheap deal, I personally think there's no, there's no harm in getting him in. Um, what, what do you think about that? I mean, it would make sense, especially as other than Jeff Wilson per se, you don't really have a big running back. Mm. Like, like you know, Zeke's a powerful running back. Um, ultimately, I think he'll probably want a lot more than the Dolphins can offer. Uh, you know, there's the uh, Byron Jones is coming off your, your salary in, a, in a, you know in a couple of weeks' time with the post June cuts, but so you, you might see some movement with Zeke then, just because you know, like I said, teams are going to have a bit more cap room in a couple couple of weeks' time, but. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised and it it would be a good fit but I wouldn't do it personally just because I actually like what you've got running back wise and Zeke might want more of the ball like in Dallas you know Tony Pollard the last couple of years has was the best running back and everyone could see it but Zeke was the one that would have the majority of the carries um and I mean ultimately now Pollard's got hurt. He has got his contract, but he got hurt, and Zeke's gone either. So we need to see what Dallas look like next year. But Tony Pollard was the was the better one in back for the past two three years. Uh, so he's not the same. But if if it's cheap, then yeah, I do it. But I don't think it will be cheap. Yeah, that is probably the biggest sticking point. Is that I mean, but looking at I've found his stats now. I mean, he had his least yards per attempt in his career the least rushing attempt as well, and the least yards. But he still had 876 yards, 12 touchdowns. So, I mean, for him, I think it, it all comes down to what he wants. I think that the longer it goes on, I think the more the less his contract could be. I think the longer he'll have, not without a team, I think the less, what's the word, the less eager he'll be to get money. Um, so I do think, yeah, I, I think that, again, it all comes down to that. But I think if he, if he, He's happy to have five, ten mil for two a year for two years. I think that he's someone that you probably shouldn't, you should probably look at and shouldn't ignore because I think that those twelve touchdowns, even though they were from the red zone, I think um, yeah, yeah, red zone weapon would be huge. Yeah. yeah, and I think that even even if just yeah, I think even if just one year he gives us, I think that if he gets us playoff wins and even the championship from his play, I think we're not going to really argue with that. But we are going to move on to our next pick, which was the sixth round, hundred ninety seventh overall. Elijah Higgins, which, of course, if you don't know, had two members of Ted Lasso announcing the pick on draft day, which, of course, me and yes. you were both Ted Lasso fans. And funny enough, it was the surname of a character on the programme. Um, Stanford, mm-hmm. wide receiver slash tight end, which, again, I don't know why you get rid of Mike Gazicki and get someone who can do the exact same thing. But um, 1,380 receiving yards, six touchdowns in his time at college. Um, thoughts on the pick? Um, I really liked it because the Dolphins really needed a tight end in this draft, wherever it came from. I thought they'd go get one in the second or third um, round. I think they probably could have taken Tucker Craft in the third, but he went to Green Bay about three picks before. That that, that, that was my perfect pick there in the third, because I, I would have taken him in the second. I think he was a great tight end mm. um, out of South Dakota State. But, I mean, for me, 
if what the, what the Dolphins are trying to do with Elijah Higgins is what the Raiders did um, with Darren Waller after they got let go by Baltimore and all the off-field off issues and stuff. But um, yeah, they're hoping to you know turn a big body receiver into a tight end. Um, and look, we know Mike McDaniel loves a, a receiver who can block because it's you know an integral part of the outside zone outside zone scheme for running the ball. Um, and yeah, yeah, six three as as a as a tight end. Um, yeah, he's the only thing that he's got that Darren Waller does, did. So he hasn't got that Darren Waller does have is he's about two or three inches smaller than Darren Waller. But, but other than that, they're the same build. Um, he's a quick receiver. He's, he's big, like I say, but Michael Zicky, um, if he can sort of co- contribute half, he won't play right away because it's, it's a you know a project pick. But if he at some point, if he could be a you know half the receiver that Gusecki was, but two times the blocker that Gusecki was, and that's that's a tight end that fits this scheme perfectly. And I think that's what they're trying, they're trying to do with a project. And it will either be really successful or he'll get cut <laughs> it'll be what it'll be one or the other and let's hope it is the, the first thing because it's, it's a promising pick and then yeah if they can turn him into you know anything like darren waller then that's uh that's a huge win but um with the tight end as well i don't really know what's going on that's the one weakness i'd say in this entire roster right now is tight end yeah i'd agree and i think you know, it was a good year this year for tight ends. I mean, I loved, you mentioned Tucker Craft. I thought he was amazing. Uh, another guy, I'm not going to say a synonym because I don't want to say it wrong, but the guy the Jets picked up um, with a mm. question surname, um, he looked good as well. And obviously, I loved Michael Mayer. He's my favourite one of the whole draft. And I, Same. and, you know, when, when I saw him there, missed the first day, you know, I was thinking, oh, second day with that 51st pick, you know, if, if he's available, that would be such a good steal. But, you know, it's it's tough because I'm looking at scouting portal now and it's, um, I mean, sadly, a lot of these things are based on wide receiver stuff, based mm. on rather than tight end, but it's got things such as strength include big slot receiver with potential to become a pass-catching tight end. There we are. Um, we'll rough up crowding coverage top of the route. Uh, I'm not going to read out all of them because there's far too many, but has, the, has speed to attack the seam of success and is elusive after the catch with a runner's field vision. But some weaknesses include catch radius. Faki um, only had six touchdowns in 40 games um, and might need to prove he can engage and block linebackers. So, you know, I I, I don't always take draft stock, uh, sorry, draft um, grades into consideration unless Daniel Jeremiah is doing it because a lot a lot of the time it's, you know, a lot of players, they say it's about end up becoming great players and vice versa. So I don't really, really know when you really get on the field, but I think again, it's one of those things where late round pick really risk free because at the end of the day, not many six round players become great players. I think that it's not that risky of a pick. Whereas I don't think if you, if you reach him in the third round, maybe you think differently then. But I, I do think there's no the whole thing about only six touchdowns and four. I don't think that's a big issue because mm. he'll waddle for that. So I think that if he is, you know, if he can become a blocking tight end, I think we solve our problems. But I just. I think depth chart now. I'm gonna look at it now. I don't think it's clear who it is. Um, I want to say. No, we have a look. So, I was just gonna say, like, it's um, who will start day one at tight end? I have no idea. Like, it, 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 um, they brought in Eric Salbert from Denver. Um, they've got Tyler Croft in the guy from um the Jets and the Bills. He's played the Jets and the Bills as well, I think. Yeah, um, you got at the moment. Yeah, and obviously Darren Smythe will, will start as a blocking tight end. And if Darren Smythe does, um, he's a decent pass catcher. Uh, but I 
don't think he's the level that everybody else who would start on the roster is. But I, I like Donovan Smith as, an, as a tight end too. I think he's perfect. Um, but I'm not sure as a tight end one. And you've got Tanner Connor as well, who is a big project that Magano had last year that um, a, a lot of people were raving about in training camp last year. So if maybe they're you know they're really excited to see what Tanner Connor can do as well. So there is also that option. But yeah, it, tight end will probably be one of the most interesting uh, position battles to watch uh, in training camp in the next few months. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's going to be... Interesting to see who gets it. I think I think personally we'll see the same thing last year, just not much use out of tight end. And I think we'll yeah, see. Yeah, you'll see Darren Smith start, but yeah. 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 Um, finally, our final pick was pick seven, uh, pick number 238. And the only player that both either me or Alex had right in us taking, um, Ryan Hayes, the offensive tackle out of Michigan. I mean, again, going back to looking online, offensive line is the hardest position to try and find um, stats on. You can't in college. You can't find a single thing. So, just to, to, to look at more the pick and the position more than um, the actual player itself. Because I've looked at a few of his things. He looks good, but you can't really base it on a few minutes on YouTube. So, I mean, right now he's down as our third choice left tackle. I mean, Terrell said obviously he's number one, but I think you look him right tackle. If you can move him to there, I think that anyone but Austin Jackson is my method for is my motto for 2023 so if you can get you know Ryan Hayes in as, as your right tackle I, I think that you know if he is as good as his tape looks I think that and especially and being a seventh round pick I think there's no harm in giving him a go because it's getting a risk-free pick um but yeah do, would you would you have maybe gone for alignment earlier in the draft than that or what, what's your take on uh make wait until pick number round number seven to make a pick at that position I probably would have got would have would have done, yeah. Maybe with the, um, I probably would have gone tight end or offensive lineman, then running back in the third. That's what I would have done. That's what I probably would have done. Um, but I mean, the Dolphins were actually short of backup offensive linemen going into the draft anyway. And then this draft pick, obviously combined with uh, bringing in Isaiah Wynn as well for the Patriots um, a couple of weeks ago, it, it makes a lot of sense um, because, I mean, Isaiah Wynn was great um, for New England his first couple of years, they tried him at guard. He got he's been hurt a lot, which is his only real gripe. But other than that, he's been a starting offensive lineman for you know for a team since two thousand nineteen. I think he was drafted. I mean, it might be eighteen, but I mean either way, yeah, you got Isaiah Wynn, you got Ryan Hayes, who will compete for right tackle, I think. And it's it's always worth having an extra tackle on the roster because you know Teron Armstrong is going to get hurt at some point. Yeah, I mean, he was conveniently hurt for pretty much every game that Tua missed last year, mm. um, <laughs> which, which, you know, I mean, he was banged up from the start. But, you know, if Tua was missing a game, then you'd, you'd see Tuan Armstead miss the game as well, just to protect himself. Um, and, yeah, Isaiah Wynn, Ryan Hayes, Austin Jackson's looking, you know, trim, actually. I don't know if you've seen the pictures over the last couple of days, but he's looking like he's in shape um, as well. So, those three will be, again, people to watch in training camp because there's a battle there to, for who's going to start a right tackle and it'll be one of those three. Probably I'd lean towards Isaiah Wynn or Austin Jackson but just because uh, they're experienced pros. Um, although Jackson's not been great, but he's still an ex, you know, experienced pro. Obviously, Eichenberg too. But yeah, that right tackle spot is open. So it makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, not like a politician. I'll refuse to believe until I see actually actions if Austin yeah. Jackson can perform. Because frankly, I think the guy I found more frustrating in the in line in my time as a fan is Jesse Davis. So I'm hoping yeah. he can turn around because he was um, 
I believe round one with a pick 30 or the yeah. 18, 18, 18 and then Ibn yeah. is 30, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you know we have to have at least one of those two succeed, otherwise we have absolutely bombed that, that draft. Um, but we are going to head to a quick break. That is our draft chat done with. When we turn, when we head back after the break, we'll go through the Dolphins 2023 NFL schedule. So we'll see you guys in a second. And welcome back to the Fins Nation podcast. Um, so yeah, we did the draft review in part one. Part two is all about the 2023 NFL schedule, which of course has become an event in itself these days with all the social media, um, also a release of their schedules. Uh, obviously everyone knows what's happened with the Titans and the uh, Chargers, but our one was pretty, pretty bland, I must admit. It was fun still, but it, it wasn't, mm. it wasn't the... Uh, the one that everyone got talking about, like with the Chargers, like with the Titans, especially. Um, what's, your, what's your take on that? Because that's been a thing that's been going around recently. Uh, only with the last few years, I remember it being a thing about teams almost competing for the best schedule, a bit like it was a few years ago with football teams trying to do it with transfer announcements. But do you think this thing will last, or do you think it's just maybe a couple of years of a phase and, and that'll be it? Um, I think it, it is sort of more like a phase thing. Um, although some clubs do still do the transfer announcements and stuff now, but uh, it's not like it was before um, in football. But, you know, I mean, these videos for the schedules, they like you know, they reach people who don't even know anything about mm. NFL. Like my um, one of my lecturers, Chris Ford, he does some work for Amazon and BT. Um, and he, he, he tweeted about the uh, the Titans one because that was the one that went most viral. Um, and, and then, you know, and just, just said he loved it, which is, you know, it's such a good thing to, to do. Any, any content you can make out of, out of uh, you know, something, you know, as minuscule as a schedule release, it will do numbers because it's such an important thing. But yeah, it's just a, you know, it's just text. <laughs> like at the end of the day, all it is is just, you know, words but you, you can make something out of it and you know there's awards they give out content awards for a reason you know because because people can make things like that so I, I, I like it as someone you know both of us are sort of in this world i think it's a great idea um and I, I mean i can't i can see it lasting for a long time but uh we'll see i mean ultimately in five ten years time you know twitter might not exist it might be something new you might you might just get it directly to your phone you know, next thing you know, you just open up, bam, video, schedule, like, we'll see. Or, you know, maybe you could go into your calendar straight away. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> something, something like that, you never know. But um, right now, yeah, the last couple of years, the team's been smashing it. And, yeah, I mean, the Chargers last year was great. Mm. Titans this year. I quite like the Dolphins one this year as well. We were obviously, with the movie theme. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't yeah, it wasn't the level of some of us. But, no, yeah, it's, it's a little bit, a bit of fun. And it the league's better because of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think personally it could last a long time. Just because how journalism and technology is advancing the fact mm. that football or sport content in general is getting a lot more click based a lot more visual based look at how sky sports have changed their content in recent years you know how they're you know a lot of the arguments on super sunday are now put on online stuff like that and i do think that the way the world we live in right now i think we, it, it is is growing that way and i think that you know especially with kids and all that who like who you know, social media and all that i think it's a great way to engage kids as well especially the Chargers one, for example. Um, so, yeah, I, I think personally it could last a long time. Uh, a bit like, you know, the draft starts off as just, a, you know, a little boardroom. It's a few people who work high up and that was it. And now it's become a televised event. I think that 
we we I think we because as long as Twitter and Instagram are still around and TikTok, I think that these will be things that we'll have for years. Um, Tennessee, why I have a gripe because when I was there, it looked it was nowhere near as hot as that looked. The weather <laughs> when I was there, I was going about seven layers, but I do wish I'd gone there when it was warmer. But it's, mm. um, it's one of those things. Um, well, we're going to go through all seventeen, but going to go through a bit a few more in detail than the others. But a quick yeah. overview. Uh, week one on the road to the Chargers at SoFi. Week two on the road again, the Patriots uh, in Jet Stadium. Week three at home to the Broncos at Mile High. Week four on the road to the Bills. Week five at home to the Giants. Week six at home to the Panthers. Week seven, a game I'm going to go to, pay, I'm going to pay for tomorrow when I get paid on payday <laughs> uh, on the road to the Eagles. Uh, week eight is at home to the Patriots. Another game I'm going to try and go to on the road on the road to Germany uh, against. Yeah, that'll be fun. Oh, I can't wait for that. Um, yeah, we're um, actually it's going to it now. Actually, so that's the game in Germany. Of course, we've been robbed of a Tyree kill return to Arrowhead, but <laughs> as is Brits, much better to get to. Um, are you going to try and go to this game? Uh, what... I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, I might have to sell up a lot of money, or you know, go into the overdraft, um, the, the, the overdraft for it. But no, I mean, oh, I reckon me and Dad will try and get there. If not, me and one of my uni mates will try and get there as well, because a lot of them, um, you know, a lot, a lot of my my friends in uni are big NFL journalists and stuff as well. That you know, they they're just like me. Um, so I've got a, I've got a good group of people that I probably will go for. I think we talk about it, but we'll, we'll see over the next month or so if I if I actually do it or not. Uh, but I mean, what what a game for Germany, you know. Oh. It's not. It's not very often you see a game like Dolphins Chiefs internationally. Like it's, mm. you know, it's a shame it's not in Munich. This game, um, it's in Frankfurt. But um, I mean, what I mean, yeah, what a game and what an advertisement for the the game in Germany. It makes so much sense, and it I mean, it's, it should be good. It's by far the best international game matchup on paper I've seen. In yeah, yeah, I agree. It just makes you think why was there never a game like that in, in London? But. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I do think with that, I mean, this may well change over time and I can't speak for the price of accommodation, but flights alone, I was looking at it from London to Frankfurt. Man, it's about 20 quid for us for one-way tickets. Yeah. Incredible. And I think that the issue is not going to be cost. I think the issue for us is more going to be... getting the tickets. Getting tickets, yeah. But yeah. Um, I know that I spoke to a guy that I work with for Five Dot Rush. I'm a lead editor on the website and he mm. you know, he went to the Journey Games last year. He told me that you can get them for double the price from a tout. Now, that is a lot of money. It's probably about, I reckon, yeah. 170 quid. But I think I'm tempted just to go there and see, see if I can get tickets. I might go just for the just for the pre-match atmosphere and all. I hope mm. I can get on there. But I will try. Um, they haven't, I don't think they've announced yet when they're on sale. I know the London ones are on sale June the 9th, I believe. For the yeah. uh, I've already got my Jags Falcons one. But mm. it's, um, yeah, hopefully, obviously being Dolphins fans, I'm hoping, that, uh, you know, certainly Fins Nation, I hope we can get something for ourselves and for our fan base. Um, I think going back to Dan Hughes, he got a lot for Bucks UK when they played last year. So I, I'm hoping that, you know, we can do it because I think that is something, because of Germany, I've been twice before and I've always liked it in Germany. So I, I'm hoping we can, and that stadium was, Frankfurt is where NFL Europe was all those years ago. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a sort it's of round circle movement. Yeah, and it, it, it um. I mean, like I said, football is the second biggest sport in Germany behind football. Football, you know, mm. it's, it's 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 massive in Germany. Like I think people sort of underestimate how big it is. Like mm. it is, you have, you have multiple professional teams playing in Germany. It's like, and you know, getting a game like this is just it. It, it makes so much sense. And um, I mean, as Brits, maybe it's like, oh, why couldn't this be in in Britain? I'm, you know, you sort of do get that a bit. But you know, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, just getting the Dolphins to play in Europe is great, and. I mean, yeah, 
I love it. And I'll try to go. <laughs> yeah. Same. Hopefully I can see you there. Yeah, um, yeah. Week 10 is a bye week. Week 11 is home to the Raiders. Week 12 is on the road to the Jets. Week 13 on the road to the Commanders. Week 14 at home to the Titans. Week 15 at home to the Jets. Week 16 at home to the Cowboys. Week 17 on the road to the Ravens before a home game against the Bills in week 18. So my first takeaway and talk point really is the first few weeks because looking at it here, four road games in the first, sorry, three road games in the first four games. I mean, and two to three were playoff teams. Uh, just how tough a start is that? I mean, I know the Broncos. I look at the Broncos as well. They're a team that, you know, I will definitely improve in 2023. And you will probably agree more because you're a Russell Wilson guy. Um, but yeah, having th- two playoff teams um, in the first four games and two, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, um, how tough a start is that for the Dolphins? I don't think it's as tough as it was last year where you had um, Baltimore, Buffalo, Cincinnati as your first three games because that, that was super tough last year. Um, but it is still, you know, it, it, your easiest one is actually your home game. Um, I'd probably say in Denver because New England, it's something like that. Well, you know, it's just a, it's a division game. Um, you know, anything can happen, knows. But, I mean, strength-wise, the teams are not as good as they were last year at the start of the schedule, but the three road games on top of the two road preseason games that you've got um, to end the preseason schedule, that's like, I think that's four road trips um, in five weeks for that. That's, you know, and you know, what's that? Uh, five road trips in seven weeks. Uh, it's a lot, it's a lot. It'll be a lot to start the season with. And I mean, going one and three or two and two, I mean, it'd be unfortunate, but I could, I could see it happening to start the year just because of how tough it may be. Um, but I mean, the the one for me, there's two of us as Herbert on week one. Um, you'll be your CBS. You're going to have probably Jim Nance and Tony Romo on that as well. And I'll be one of the, the games to watch on week one. And um, it's later in, it's a 9.25 one because it's, it's in LA. But that's the game for me. That's like, oh, wow, that's a really, really interesting start to the season. Um, followed by something like football against the Patriots as well. Yeah, I mean that charge one is just like what a start that is. That's a you know, I'll actually be in LA the day I arrive in there, the day after that game ends. So I think it's mm. um, I think if I can try and get tickets somehow, um, you know, I may go a day earlier. But um, I think that's a great start, and I think that will definitely be on prime time. Whether that's mm. I, I, so, it's currently being slated as being yes, yeah, um, the four twenty five one. Yeah. yeah, so I th- I think it'll be CBS, and then you'll have Jim Nance and Tommy Raymond on it. Yeah, that's what I, I think it'll be. I hope I'm sure Sky will pick that as their game. Yeah, Sky uh, should do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but looking at you mentioned preseason, um, our three games are first of all uh, at home to the Atlanta Falcons before the road games you mentioned away to the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, or we should call them this year London Jaguars. Um, <laughs> now before we go on to the final point, talking point, the New York Jets. Now, we're playing them in week 12 and week 15. I mean, they're a team that's new. We saw the Buccaneers that they started slowly with Tom Brady. Would you almost rather have them at the start of the year when maybe things are trying to trying to gel? Or do you do you not mind it being almost a crunch time of the season? Yeah, I would rather have what with the Jets, what we've got in New England, where you play two games in the first eight weeks. Mm. Like, I think I'd rather have that because you're yeah, having the Jets week 12, week 15. That's when they're going to be in the groove. Um, obviously, uh, one of the games is on prime time as well because it's the Black Friday game um, on, out on Amazon. 
as well. So there'll be that too. Um, but I, I mean, I would prefer to play the Jets earlier in the season. But I mean, that that's gonna be that that, and then the Week Eighteen game against the Bills. Those those games are gonna be absolute dogfights because this division is wide, completely wide open between the three teams. Sorry, the Patriots, but I just don't, you're not you're not very good. Like <laughs> at this at this point in time, I'd probably say New England have got a bottom half roster um, in the league. Like I I just and yeah, for sure bottom half quarterback in the league. I'm not the biggest fan of Matt Jones. Um, and competing in that division is going to be very difficult for them, I think. I mean, I've got to disagree with that. I mean, I do think they'll finish bottom because I think just to how good yeah. the division is. And I do think that if they were a team in the AFC South or NFC South, I do think they could be a team that I think will be contenders. But I do think that we'll see a Patriots um, improvement this year. And I think that's mainly for me down to the fact that Patricia's no longer there. I believe true, he's trying to defensive coordinator. And I think yeah. that was all Matt Jones in, in year one was far more be- far more of a better quarterback than he was year two. So I think that mm. we will I think we will see the real Mac Jones this year. Whether he goes back to what he's like in year one, whether he is just a very average quarterback, we don't know. But I think rather than Mike Mac Jones, I think Juju's a very good pickup. Um so I think that they'll be that I think they'll still be I think they'll be a playoff contender in terms of I think they'll be maybe they'll finish like the ninth or tenth seed in the AFC come the end of the year. I think they'll be a team that like they were last year, like battling mm. till the end. Uh that conference, you look at you know, mentioned to uh, Herbert Allen, Burrow, Mahomes, Lawrence, there's many more I've just forgone about, but it's it's a we just got Anthony Richardson as well, yeah, that know. as well. CJ like, Stroud, like, yeah, there's two more that could, yeah. I mean, ultimately, they might not pan out, but there's two more that could more pan out, yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be a Patriots fan now just because it's their sort of not. They're probably in the you know, the worst spot they've been in since mm. what was it, about two thousand, like, right? Yeah. That's, um, but uh, I mean, great defense, everything, but uh, it's just it's just for me they're not exciting, like no, on either side of the ball. A lot of the time, again, they've been excited on defense recently as well, but because they the, the rest of the AFC are so exciting, the pages just aren't because of that. Like if the, the stand, it's like the Steelers too. The Steelers are so different compared to the rest of the. The, the AFC because they again they have their you know Najee Harris they have you know their defense they go offensive it's like basically Belichick and Mike Tomlin versus the rest of the AFC which <laughs> it is it's just it's, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out over the years because uh, but yeah if for me it, those two teams are so different they'll either do really well or do quite badly mm. I think as in as in like five wins not like one win or anything like that but five six seven wins I think but. Yeah, I mean, I do think they were in the NFC. I think I'd have them as a playoff team, but I yeah, just don't think that's, in, that's fair enough. in that conference, it's just it's just too hard. Unless, unless obviously you got Christian Gonzalez, maybe unless he's an absolute ball there, like Source Gardner was or something. I, I just don't see it. Um, like now, switching from the start of the schedule to the end of the schedule, I mentioned weeks fourteen to eighteen. From that period, we got four of the last five games at home. Just mm. how crucial is that? That that for me seems like a really good thing to have. Just how good is that to have? down the stretch having all the games in the in the at home especially in the heat when you've got with the exception of Dallas Cowboys you've got the Titans Jets Baltimore I don't know what they're like whether I put the Bills especially all those three especially mm. they're cold places I mean I, I've been to I've been to Buffalo and Tennessee and, and I just mentioned Tennessee before and I've been to those places in October in November December and they're freezing and we've seen how yeah, the- Maryland can get pretty cold with Baltimore as well. So I mean, right, okay. it's they're they're, they're all yeah. pretty cold places. Um, I think with 
with this was four or five ten the season and it's actually quite nice compared to what we had last year obviously where there was uh, the tough stretch at the end tough stretch at the start and then there was the winnable games in the middle mm-hmm. yeah. there was like you know there was the streaks and you know i mean had there not been injuries and stuff like to um you know and obviously the concussions that like the dolphins could have won about nine eight or nine in a row and then come unstuck at the end of the year um with like the buffalo um who was it? it was Buffalo? Um, it was San Francisco, wasn't it? Originally, it was yeah. Chargers, Bills. Was it then Jets, Packers, Patriots? No, it was some, yeah. The Packers one was Christmas Day, so it was, either way, like it was. You know, you had yeah. a load of a load of teams that were there in and around the playoff position. I can't see the Titans being in the playoff position here, uh, but everyone else having home advantage over Buffalo, Dallas, and the Jets. Um, you know, towards the end of the season, that could be huge. Yeah, it it, it, could, it could be like what gets you the division, or perhaps uh, what gets you a playoff spot will be the four of you know four or five home games towards the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's a great end to the schedule with after the tough being so difficult. Yeah, so the start being so difficult, <laughs> not tough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. You mean it, it, it's tough. Mm. I think that I think you know we. I'm fully aware that last year we were saying same thing with the AFC West and that didn't happen how we thought. But I do think we are yeah, right true. now in the hardest division in, in the league. In it, in it, I think I think personally it could be one of the Patriots, sorry, the Bills, Jets or Dolphins. I think it's a real, it could be, you could make a case for any of those. I think all three have got a strong case that well, they could win the division. I think I, all three will be in the playoffs as well. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think that's a similar thing to like the NFC South years ago where it was uh, New Orleans, Atlanta and Carolina that made it all in. And all of them had, I think, ten or eleven wins. Mm. I mean, none of them seems to blow away, but the Saints were the the best team in the league that season. Obviously, the um, the Minneapolis miracle happened, but like in the NFC, the Saints were probably the best team. Other than the Eagles, that you know, the Saints could because the the Panthers, because the Falcons took away wins. You saw all of them fighting for the division till the very end mm. on ten, eleven wins, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen with this AFC East this year. Yeah, I think City. That week eighteen against Bills is going to be. I mean, personally, I I do think. I know we are months away from the season beginning, and I think we don't know how bad the Rogers injury is yet. But on paper at the moment, I do think the Jets win this division, and and I do think that the Dolphins wow. will battle for maybe fifth seed or something. And I think that maybe one lose will get seventh seed or sixth seed and what. But of course, that is all to come. And obviously, I'm going to avoid asking about your predictions this season because we are going to have you on again. Uh, for a crossover episode between our Cross the Pod, where I try and do all 32 teams' prediction season preview episodes, and I'll cross it over with the Fins Nation podcast as well and have it on. So we will have you on again. So we will ask you near the time what you think the record's going to be. Uh, but in the meantime, that is the end of the episode. Uh, before we go, uh, as you're, you know, for a lot of listeners, the first time they've heard you speak, um, tell, tell them how they can find you on social media. Uh, so you can find me uh, at the SJ Moores, just because SJM is my initials. Um, and yeah, I'm on every social media platform. Um, I do a lot of writing for 14 Yards, which is one of the biggest UK blogs um, out there. We also have the Season Guide, which you can buy, which is our preview magazine. Um, that'll be coming out about August time. Um, I'll be contributing to that this year as well, which will be fun. Um, so I'll probably do a bit of the Dolphins and that as well. So if you do want to check that out, it's normally a couple quid. And it, it contributes to the growth of the game locally as well. So, so it's it's a nice call to do. Um, 
but yeah, so yeah, on Twitter, I tweet a lot, although recently I've not been as active uh, because of the university stuff via Twitter and my website is uh, com as well. So, and I've got all my articles I've ever written on there as well. And every podcast that I've done, everything. So that's the best place to find me. Fantastic. And Sam also does uh, F1 and football stuff as well. So mm. in, he interviewed Daniel Bentley recently, who, you know, ruined my season potentially by potentially <laughs> doing that without mistake on the weekend. But great interview with him and obviously F1 stuff. So he's been on our Eurotrips F1 podcast that Ryan does as well. So, yeah, if you like your F1 or football, then he's got some stuff as well. I've, um, got, a, um, I've got a video with the Bristol Aztecs coming out as well in the oh, next nice. couple of days. Um, yeah, I went down to Filton in, in Bristol to film with them um, just to sort of get ahead. Well, they've started the season now, but it was before the season started. But yeah, just on the growth of uh, the grassroots game in the UK as well. So um, that'll be coming out soon too. Fantastic. When it comes out, do check it out. In the meantime, um, a thank you to Jess Granger once again for the music for this podcast. And a big thank you once again to the big boss, the big man, Wayne Collard, who created the podcast logo. In the meantime, this has been the Tinsulation UK podcast. I've been Andy, this has been Sam Moores, and we will see you guys next time. Take care. Thanks.